0: What's going on, guys? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 70? 70, I think. Yeah, pretty sure it's 70. Um, A couple guests for you today uh, from Slap the Sign, some of my former co-writers. Nathan Urbach, you may remember, is a guy I had on last year who writes uh, both football and basketball for Slap the Sign, but uh, over there is... Very knowledgeable on the basketball side. And he brought with him uh, Mason Plummer, who is a young up-and-comer a comer who has a, a very bright future, I think, in the you know broadcast journalism world. Mason is young, but he's incredibly sharp, well-spoken. He's a very good writer. Um, You know, good things will come from Mason Plummer, I promise. Uh, We basically just sat down for a quick conversation today. This is kind of a shorter podcast. We kind of blew right through my list of topics, and uh, it was probably 20, 25 minutes, somewhere in that range. So, uh, you know, just uh, it, it was a good little off-season podcast Good to catch up with some guys that I haven't talked to in a few months And always good to talk basketball uh, Some things, I guess some house cleaning stuff We did a, a you know, uh, Jason Ah, Jesus, Jason Jonathan Warner and I <clears throat> This weekend kind of threw together A little uh, uh, Independent College basketball You know, content providers Uh Nit, let's call it because there's only 32 teams instead of 68. But uh, Jonathan threw a bracket together, threw some seating together, and we threw 32 guys in the pool, and uh, and and I, I put some polls up and we voted on it. it was actually a pretty fun thing that was kind of born from an incident where I wasn't at my best, <laughs> as some of you may know. I've been suffering through some uh, some back issues lately, and I got prescribed some muscle relaxers. And uh, never mix muscle relaxers with alcohol. Um, You know, heed your physician's advice on mixing prescription medications and alcohol. I had about two or three beers and went to space on the back of a rocket ship. And, uh, you know, I let some stuff go as far as some stuff that's been going on on Twitter lately, you know, that I shouldn't have actually felt really bad about it afterwards. But I think what what came of it was actually pretty fun. There was some pretty good back and forth. And uh, we had a pretty good time with it. So right now, as I'm recording this intro... Uh, Kevin Sweeney of CBB Central and Eric Haslam from Haslametrics are actually going toe to toe in the poll. Last I checked, it was 52 to 48. In uh, favor of Kevin So Kevin the the young gun taking on You know the legendary Haslametrics Whose metrics we all use Rockin25 and my guys at uh, ACC Basketball Report use his metrics Everybody I know uses his metrics So Eric is a a pioneer For creating his own metrics And uh, it'll be be fun to see how that wraps up Uh, Some other things I'm going to touch on the recruiting wins that we've seen lately. Um, Virginia tech picked up a couple guys. They are still, I guess in the running for Carrie Blackshear jr. He it's nobody knows where he's actually going. Um, Tennessee looks like the most logical destination, but this is a kid who, as Jeff Goodman talked about on this, on this podcast a few weeks ago, you know, was back and forth on going to the NBA right up until the second that he decided he wasn't, um, one more, uh, Commitment that I want to talk about here pretty soon is Reese Beekman, who is a four-star point guard that has recently committed to Virginia I don't know a whole lot about Reese other than, you know, he's a 6'2", 150, a four-star kid that's, that's the only thing I really know about him I haven't been able to watch any tape on him or anything like that I was kind of saving some of this stuff for when I have Jay Anderson on Who we're still trying to work it out um, With My back and some other things lately, I haven't been able to get on the same schedule with him while he's been going to AAU events um, and and working that, which he obviously does for a living, Uh, working for North Carolina Prep Hoops, uh, writing articles for Busting Brackets. You know, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, so it's hard to catch him right now where he's in a cycle where everything's completely busy. So in uh, while we wait. For Jay and I to be able to hook up and get on the same page, let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Nathan Erbach and Mason Plummer from Slap the Sign. Guys, Josh Kogi. Somebody should have guarded him. Fire. Welcome back to ACC Basketball Report after a couple weeks off. I'm here tonight with Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach from Slap the Sign, which is a Notre Dame-based publication. Uh, What's going on, fellas?
1: Doing good, man. How you doing?
0: Uh, Just uh, living the life. I uh, started some shit on Twitter this weekend and just riding it out. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I guess, uh, so for those of you who may not know <clears throat> I was part of Slap of slap the Sign for about a year um, Which obviously Notre Dame, huge football school Those guys cover football primarily I would say Mason and Nathan do a lot of work on the basketball side as well um, Last season, a little bit of a disappointment Nathan, what's your take on uh, what went wrong with Notre Dame last year?
2: So I'm going to be honest with you. We have very similar names. So I have no idea if you said
0: Nathan or Mason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Erbach, How about that? <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Herbock. Um, Go ahead.
2: Honestly, I think a lot of youth. I mean, obviously, if you follow Notre Dame basketball, you know that they've started three to four freshmen for the majority of the season. Or not necessarily started, but played big minutes. Um, you know, losing Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell, who were big time seniors, Uh, Hurt a lot, Um, and I think that if we're being completely honest, and maybe Notre Dame fans felt that the run was going to continue with the recruiting classes that were coming in for the you know for several seasons, um, and the back-to-back elite eights and so on and so forth. But I really do think it was probably the transition season that um, you know since since the off season has started, and so. Uh, I think that really played a role. It's just you know they they didn't they weren't necessarily playing old like they have in the past. It was all mm-hmm. about kind of transitioning into that new youth. But it was talented youth. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard hard to be upset with where they might be uh, this year and in the future.
0: Uh, Mason, what are you uh, what, what are your thoughts on the freshmen from last year? And uh, do you have any expectations for anyone in particular?
1: Yeah, I, I really like the the freshman class, and I feel like they got treated unfairly this past season. There was really high expectations for them, like referring to what Nathan said about the back-to-back Elite Eights recently. And Notre Dame basketball fans, especially casual fans, are expecting continued success, and that's a lot to ask out of guys that were in high school just a few months ago. Uh, these guys are all they're great recruits. There's a few top 100 guys in there. there are, mm-hmm. They're they're going to be great players but maybe just not so soon as fans expected them to be. This is going to be a great team within the next couple of years. And uh, my, if I had to pick one that I think is going to explode this season that, uh, that a lot of people weren't too, too fond of this past season is Nate Leshefsky. Um his, his shooting touch is just impeccable at times, and he didn't show it so much this season, but I think he comes back a new player and uh, gets his shooting touch back.
0: Yeah, I you know I think uh, for Leszewski it's a little bit of transition I think because as a prep guy he was probably you know the biggest the strongest the most talented kid on the court probably every time he set foot on the basketball court and then you go to the ACC where you know everybody is your size everybody is as strong as you everybody's as fast as you tall as you can jump as high as you get those jump shots off like you can and it might take a little bit more time for him and for the game to kind of slow down a little bit. Um, If I remember correctly, I think he torched G-Tech in the first half this year, hit like three or four threes. It may may not have been Georgia Tech, but it was somebody where he had a great first half and then just kind of disappeared in the second half. And I think as far as the the future goes for him, I think it's very bright. One of the guys that I was high on early in the season was Prentice Hub. And as the season moved on, I kind of – Kind of, you know, ventured over to the side of Dane Goodwin. I saw a lot of good stuff from Dane Goodwin. Mason, what did you think about Goodwin? Goodwin, sorry, later on in the season.
1: I love Goodwin. Uh, he really came onto the scene, and being a coach's kid, I think that helps him a lot. He's not; he'll never be the most athletic guy on the team. He's going to get it done almost in a Steve Asuria kind of way, and his basketball IQ is just off the charts. He provides a lot of the intangibles that Notre Dame needs and he's not always going to be the guy that's going to lead you in scoring or assists or anything, but he's a consistent contributor that's going to do a lot for this team in the future.
0: Erbach, what, uh, what's your expectation for for this year's team, the 2019-20
2: team? Uh, I, I say they take a, take a step in the right direction. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be – um, a tournament team, or even that's necess- or or even like a step further than that. I don't know if they're going to have like that year where I think it was like twenty fourteen or whatever that they were really bad, and then the next year twenty fifteen they were really good. I don't, might have like I might have my years wrong, um, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that kind of step. But I would be surprised if they don't win, you know, twenty ish games, and then maybe go. Um, you know, ten and ten in the uh, in the ACC. So I'm expecting a, a definitely some, some more wins and uh, just a step just a step in the right direction. I, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to beat beat around and say oh they're going to win 32 games next year or whatnot. But uh, it, it will be better for sure.
0: Who is uh, I'll, I'll stick with Erbach on this one. Who is the true TJ Gibbs? Is it the guy we saw two seasons ago, or is it the guy we saw last year?
2: I think it's a mix. Actually, I, don't, I think he'll be kind of in between that. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a leader on the court, mm-hmm. and when he had to take over that leadership role of Matt Farrell walking out the door, um, I think I think that hurt him a little bit. Now, with that said, I think he grew up a lot um, this past off season. I don't know that for sure, but I just Mike Bray guys they always grow,
0: right?
2: Um, and I'd be I'd be really surprised if we don't see a better player. Um, and T.J. Gibbs and closer to his sophomore season in terms of his shooting prowess um, and then just kind of like his just fundamental basketball IQ on the court. So, um, yeah, I would say I don't think he'll be as bad as last year, but I don't know if he'll necessarily be the guy we were thinking of mm-hmm. um, after his sophomore season.
0: Mason, do you think this is a tournament team?
1: I'm not so sure it's a tournament team. Um I'm glad you gave me the chance to uh, answer where I think they're going to end up. I think it's like Nathan said about a 10 and 10 in the ACC team. I'm hoping for just a a top half finish would be solid for this team. I think season after this upcoming one, it definitely could be a tournament team, but not so much yet. I don't think it's possible to be worse than last season, you know, worse than the ACC. So anything could be just about be improvement. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to see from this team. Not quite a tournament team, but, Hopefully they'll, uh, you know, they usually have one or two games where uh, they possibly knock off a top twenty-five team, and uh, maybe they can get their best shot at Duke and North Carolina this season, like they normally do, and that might be the highlight of the season. But probably not a tournament team.
0: I actually, I actually have Notre Dame in my pre- preseason top twenty-five right now. Of course, it's still only June. I, I love this team. I, I you know, if if, if Pfluger comes back healthy, if Robbie Carmody's healthy, and you know, is as it, as advertised early on in the season last year, I thought he was an incredible perimeter defender. Um, I thought Fluger maybe a little bit overwhelmed early in the season. He was pretty bad early, and then he started to come along, and then boom, he's injured and he's lost for the season. Um, of course, we find out later that his mom was was having health concerns as well. Um, if those guys are healthy, and if Prentice Hub can just be okay, I really, really like this team. Um, one thing that you guys mentioned is not this coming season, but the season after. So we're talking now 2020 and 2021. That team will be without Temple Gibbs and John Mooney and Rex Fluger. You guys, as of right now, have an empty recruiting cycle with nobody coming in. Um, I'll stay with Mason. What's, uh, what, what's your expectation as far as recruiting? Is this just because you guys have a pretty full roster right now? Or, or what's going on?
1: Well, the recruiting, I think, I mean, the let's see, the 2018 class, they were freshmen in this right. past season. Yep. Um, that's a solid class, mm-hmm. and, but I, I think they need to keep their foot on the gas, and that's what they really need to do looking back after both back-to-back Elite Eights is your program's in a, moving in a great direction. You need to keep it that way, but they, they didn't keep their foot on the gas, and that seems to be what they're doing now. Um, I could see the coaching staff really falling in love with this team, but if you don't keep it moving, nerding to basketball could be in a bad spot. Um, there's reason to believe this class is great, but if you don't have young guys chomping at the bit, trying to come out behind them or take their spot, then, you know, healthy competition is always great. Mm-hmm. And um, if they don't have that, it just doesn't spell good things.
0: Urbach, what's your uh, what's your opinion on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what Mason said. I mean, I'm not as mad as some people are about the recruiting class. I mean, obviously, whenever you whiff 100% and get zero recruits, that's a big deal. Um, but I, I also applaud the effort of the staff for trying to go after some, some bigger fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they struck out. I mean, it's they, they had some guys that, you know, were, you know, they probably finished maybe even in the top two mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to settle for guys that they didn't think could maybe take them over the top. So I respect that to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's hard to justify whiffs in recruiting classes. With that said, I mean, with the transfer portal being what it is these yep. days, um, and like you said, I mean, or like both of you have said, I mean, Robbie Car- Carmody technically red-shirted, so we have him for probably another, you know, four to five years, um, or another four years, I should say. And then, um, you know, with Lex coming back this year, that should help for this year's team. But when all those guys leave, you're, you're going to have those guys coming into junior year form, which is under Mike Bray, that's another big developmental process is most guys in their junior year turn into studs. Um, maybe you land a Cormac Ryan from Stanford, which helps a lot because he won't help this year, but then he kind of turns into, you know, a redshirt sophomore the year the year mm-hmm. after that. Um you know, and then maybe you land a stud or two in this coming class, where they can be at least role players, like maybe a Bonzi Colson type when he was in his freshman year at Notre Dame. So I'm not as worried as some Notre Dame fans are, and I'm certainly not pushing the door on like Mike Bray to retire or, or get fired or anything like that. But like Mason said, it, you got to keep the gas on the pedal, and you, you got to make sure that this class is at least like three or four deep for sure. Uh,
0: now, am I just seeing? one or two loud people on Twitter as far as kind of doubting Mike Bray or is that a common thing that's going on right now in the fan base
2: Um I, Mason could probably attest to this too. I think there Mike Bray has always had his doubters. Yeah. Um you know, he's at a he's at a high profile school at like like Notre Dame. They're in the ACC now. Now they haven't been a high-profile basketball school, per se, but it's Notre Dame, so they're high-profile in general. Um, so I think, at least from my from what I've seen just the last, like, 10 years or so, I think he's always had his doubters from a recruiting standpoint, from a can he, can he go out and win an actual national championship standpoint. But 90% of the fans understand what Mike Bray's about and love Mike Bray. So I, I think it's just you always see the louder people than you – or the people that are negative about a, a roster or a team – for any school, are always louder than the ones that are, you know, po- um, a little have a little bit more positive attitude
0: about the team. <laughs> yeah, I certainly understand that. Mason, do you have any, uh, you know, is there any uh, loss of faith in Mike Bray when it, you know, after last season and after kind of a, a poor recruiting cycle? Is are, are you all in on him, or are you starting to have any doubts? No, I'm still full in on
1: Bray, and um, you guys bring up an interesting topic because I'm I'm fortunate enough to live in South Bend, ten minutes from Notre Dame. So I have the chance to go to a lot of games, and uh, you know you'll hear the occasional fan just like, "Oh, pack it up, Bray," or whatever. And if the guy's close enough to me, or even on Twitter, sometimes like why like why do you say that? Right. And uh, so there's some people that just don't like him just to not like him. You know, you can ask anybody I've asked, they can't point out a reason why they don't like Bray. Some people, just like, well, just with Brian Kelly in football, they don't like him just because they don't like him. It's hard to please Notre Dame fans a lot of times, and that, at least that's what I found. And um, Bray's really made this program, I mean, from what it was, it, he's made it something. Yeah. And um, he's taken it to places it probably wouldn't go without him. So to try to pack it up on him, when just this er- not this early. I mean, he's, he's probably done within the next, I don't know, five to ten years, but at the same time, um, he's still got a lot of work to do and I'd like to see what he can do with this, uh, this incoming sophomore class.
0: Yeah. I, I don't understand some of the talk by some of these people. I mean, uh, Mike Bray, I mean, you know, Matt Doherty probably started it, but Mike Bray has kind of brought this program to where it is. And if you're going to, if you're going to dump him for whatever, 10 poor months, then that's, that's short sighted and irresponsible, um, I think he's going to come out of it. Like I said, I'm very high on this team. I think they have a lot of good pieces. Um, I You know, I, I assumed that it was just loud fans. And like, like Erbach said, Nathan said, the, the louder fans are going to be the negative guys. They're going to be out there beating the pots and pans. Um, you guys have basically already told me that, you know, you weren't, weren't sure if they were top 25 worthy Nate, uh, Erbach, I want to get with you on one thing specifically what happened and you may not have heard anything, but I think you probably did. What happened with DJ, um, with DJ Harvey? Cause that was kind of shocking um, to me
2: from everything I've read. It's just that he ended up not really being a fit from an offensive standpoint. He yep. was more of a, an isolation player. Uh, you know, a, a one-on-one type of player wasn't a particularly great shooter after the knee injury, wasn't a particularly great slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had potential, if he could ever get over it, to be a really good um, defensive player and, you know, guy that can get to the basket. But mm-hmm. it just wasn't working in Mike Bray's offense. I think that it was more of a mutual decision between both sides, that it just wasn't working um and you know it's unfortunate because I really do think that if he never got hurt we might be talking about you know just someone different maybe Mike Bray starts changing his offensive philosophy a little bit because he finally has a guy that is just that much more athletic than any other player he's had um at least in in you know probably since you know his early years but uh yeah, no, it's just unfortunate because uh, I think it probably could have worked out for for, for both sides if, if if that micro fracture never happened.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a tough injury, especially for a young kid. And then you got to make the transition from, you know, from high school. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you're trying to get used to it. He played what 11 games, I think, something like that, and then he got hurt. And it's just, you know, the the growth process needs to kind of be a continuous thing. And unfortunately, he was unable to to experience that. Um, Going with the guys that are still here, and I'll go over to Mason, any particular player in – I guess you shed Leshefsky earlier, but anybody else that uh, maybe lower down on the list that we're not really looking at right now that could be a breakout guy for you? <laughs>
1: yeah, I really – well, let's see. You know, I think a lot of guys are hyped in the eyes of Notre Dame fans. Um, Carmody's going to be a great player. Goodwin, again, we already mentioned. Um the more I think about it, I think I don't think Jawan Durham got enough love. The transfer mm. from UConn, he had a couple great games where, when the guys, when the perimeter guys couldn't get it done, weren't getting shots to fall, he was inside getting rebounds and scoring. I think he'll be a nice piece alongside uh, John Mooney, and I think that the twin towers kind of thing could work for Notre Dame if they can't get shots to fall from the outside like they tend to rely on.
0: Urbach, do you think those two guys can coexist on the floor at the same time?
2: Ah. Uh... Yeah, I think so. I mean, cause Mooney's more of, you know, I mean, even for a big guy, he's more of a three and D type of player. Mm. Um, and he has some good post moves down low, but you know, he's kind of like your traditional Mike Gray guy, not super athletic, but gets the job done. And, you know, Durham's kind of that guy that they haven't had where he's really, really, uh, athletic. He's really long. He's a rim protector. Um, so, I mean, I, I definitely think that was probably going to end up being a focus of this offseason, was trying to get them on the floor together. Um, and kind of going back to what you guys were saying earlier, I mean, he's just one of those guys where that could take the team to the next level, even this year. Hmm. You know, as if, you know, he we all know what the kind of potential he had when he signed with UConn out of high school. I mean, he's a top 50 guy. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those things where if he has a really strong season, um, you know, it's we're looking at maybe three, four win difference. Just with him on the floor, than what, what they might
0: have had if he wasn't there. What uh, and I'll stay with you, Herbuk, Um Guys that are still there. Elijah Burns suddenly transfers December of last year. Was he just looking for more time uh, at a lower level where he could be an impact player? I mean, I know Sienna was kind of his, his his near his home, near his roots. But uh, was was what was the story with that? Anything in particular?
2: Well, and I can probably say this now because it's long enough in the past. Mm. But he actually asked to come back after he transferred. It's kind of the same with Matt Ryan. They both kind of rethought their decision. And Mike Bray said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm not going to invite you guys back if you didn't, if you weren't fully invested." Wow. Um, <laughs> but with that said, I do think that was his reasoning. I think he was like, "You know what? I can be a player that plays a little bit more than I'm playing now um, at a smaller school," and I think that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So. Um, cause even last year, I mean, like we said, I mean, Durham wasn't playing early on in the year. Yeah. Um, you know, Burns was, you know, was supposed to be a guy that was maybe a sixth or seventh man for him because he was the only other big man. And, you know, what was it? He had like the really good game early on in the season. I forgot who it was against, to be completely honest. And we're like, oh, okay. You know, Burns might be, you know, a pretty good player for him. Yep. Just a solid, you know, sixth or seventh man, maybe, um, whatever. And then, like the next game, he plays three minutes, and all of a sudden, he's transferring. So, I mean, I think that had a lot to do with it. It was just like, hey, what, 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 what role am I going to have on this team, Mike Bray? Right? right. And he wasn't happy with it.
0: <laughs> and then he wanted to come back because the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, uh, I, I've I, I, we kind of blew through my list. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on while I got you here, Mason?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. Nathan. Um, I just i recently wrote an article over at Slap the Sun. I don't know if, if your listeners look too much on that kind of stuff, but um, kind of going back to the transfer portal thing, I mean, if Notre Dame can land a guy like Cormac Ryan, I think that, that settles a lot of mm-hmm. debates that fans were having this year. Um, I mean, he was another guy that was a top, like, 75 player coming out of high school and in that same class with the guys like Liszewski, Carmen D., Goodwin, et cetera, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Prentice Hub. But, uh. Um, if he's a guy that comes and he can be an impact guy when all those guys are juniors as well, mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, you're looking at a roster of juniors that could probably compete in the ACC, let alone the other guys you're going to have on your team.
0: Right. Actually, I do want to get your thoughts on one more thing, fellas, and I'll go to Mason first. Um, what's your feeling on some of the new rule um, the new rule changes that were kind of implicated in the past couple of weeks, uh, moving the three point line back and the shot clock resetting to 20 instead of 30 on offensive rebounds. What's your thoughts on that, Mason?
1: I think the 20 the the twenty to 30 will be – I mean, it's not a huge deal. I'm more concerned with the moving the three-point line back. I don't know why now. Um, I've never been a fan of it being different from college to pro, but, I mean, it is what it is. It's just like football with one foot down rather than two when making a reception. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the rules should coincide and be parallel between – uh collegiate and professional but um if this is a step in the right direction that's fine i don't know why you just don't just go to nba uh distance at this point but it is what it is
2: Erbuck. yeah kind of the same way i mean with shooting the way it is these days i'm not too worried about it But it's going to be a factor i would assume i mean college obviously we all know college basketball guys can't shoot as well as they do in the nba it's pretty noticeable <laughs> um but uh But I mean, I think I mean just like everything else, whenever you make a rule, people will adjust. Um, The shot clock rule doesn't really affect. I think I definitely don't think it affects Notre Dame too much. I actually kind of like it from a Notre Dame standpoint. So um, I'm not I'm not too worried about the rules. I think they're probably going to end up being pretty good for college basketball down the road.
0: Yeah, I think especially with the shot clock rule. I mean, most teams are burning eight to nine seconds just getting the ball to half court anyway. So I don't think that rule is going to be. a a huge deal, and I actually like it. So, um, you know, teams aren't just bringing it back out and then running the clock back down to 12 before they get started in their offense. Um, Three-point rule, if I remember correctly, last time they moved a foot back, it didn't really affect the game as far as percentages or anything like that too drastically. I think shooters are going to shoot, and guys probably are warming up from 25 anyway, so I don't think it's really a big deal. Guys, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk uh, some Notre Dame hoops. And uh, we'll get you on again before, uh, maybe before the season or during the season, depending on how things go.
2: Yeah, man, sounds great. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, man.
0: Oh, hey, hey, real quick, uh, let everybody know uh, where you guys can be found Twitter handles, uh, you know, publications you're associated with, all that stuff.
2: Nathan, go ahead and go first. All right, so you can find me at uh, Las 9 on Twitter. It says Nathan Erbach on my profile, though, so pretty easy to find. Um, other than that, I just write for Slap the Sign. I don't like anybody besides Notre Dame, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mason?
1: Uh, I wouldn't recommend following Nathan unless you want to see a bunch of Cub stuff, but you can follow me <laughs> at Mason Plummer 6. Um, we both write for Slap the Sign. Um, we're uh, we're both pretty consistent contributors over there. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mason Plummer 6 for a, not, a lot of uh, Notre Dame football and basketball content.
0: All right, guys. Thank you for joining me. Have a good night.
1: All right, thanks. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks.
0: All right. That was Nathan Erbach and Mason Plummer from slap They're a fan sided site. They are two very good young writers who will hopefully, uh, you know, Continue on in that profession. I don't know if that's both their aspirations. I think Mason is definitely an aspiring sports journalist. I'm not sure what uh, what Nathan's ambitions are, but both very good, young, knowledgeable guys when it comes to Notre Dame sports. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I like I said, I'm gonna get caught up with Jay here in the next couple of days. We'll hopefully lock down a time and get that out to you. We're gonna go over his top 15 recruits for the ACC in the incoming. Uh, To the 2019-20 season We're going to talk about the NBA PA up in Charlottesville Which he attended Which, you know, if you're following on Twitter A lot of guys weren't impressed with some of the play that's going on up there I'm going to try to get his thoughts on that He is a no-nonsense guy And he will tell you exactly what he's feeling Um, As far as other stuff going on We got some stuff coming out on ACCBasketballReport.com. I know Big Cat, Kinchin Taylor, is going to be working on some stuff. Charlie is swamped at his day job, and the Chimp's just being the Chimp, harassing people online right now. So um, I'm working on a big project for BustinBrackets.com, which will come out. I will be ranking – well, not ranking. I'm putting together a starting five for all 15 programs currently in the ACC from 1979 to 2019. So, needless to say, that's that's 75 players with comments, um, doesn't come easy to me, I'm a quick hitter kind of guy, you know, throw some thoughts, throw some video, throw some Twitter action at you guys, give, you know, my quick thoughts, and get that news out there as quickly as possible, you know, otherwise, I'll, I'll write 1,000, 1,200 words, but this is going to be... It's looking like twelve thousand to fifteen thousand words, and that's very difficult for me when it comes to my day job. So, but I've uh, I've gotten with Lucas and Tristan that should be coming out here. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, I'm actually just working on it. Just a few minutes ago, I'm going in alphabetical order. I'm currently on Notre Dame, so hopefully over the next couple of days, I can get that wrapped up and get out to you guys because I think it's a really cool project that something I'm pretty proud of. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, share Tell your people, leave me a comment Rate it favorably, leave a nice comment Or some constructive constructive criticism If you want to tell me that I was an awful prick On <laughs> Twitter this weekend It is at ACCBR1 I promise you that that was not a moment I'm very proud of So uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys I'm also working with something on a, a, a repeat Um Guest that we've had that is much beloved in the air in the area of which I reside. So, uh, I'm not sure how quickly I'm going to get that done. I might wait till we get a little bit closer to the season, but uh, yeah. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you in a couple weeks with Jay Anderson. Up until then, you know, go to Bustin' Brackets, go to ACC Basketball Report, go to ACCBR1, catch out what we're talking about visit, uh, you know, the Rockin' 25 poll, you know, check out some of the work we did last season and uh, see if it's something you want to commit to for the upcoming season for uh, expanding your knowledge of the game. I am Michael Hunter. I hope you guys have a great night.